Hello, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. And this is Dinner Table Politics. And we are right up to the wire as to when President Trump may or may not shut down the government a second time. And it sounds like they've reached an agreement. I thought we already did this. We continue to do this. but uh, It's like Groundhog Day. It is like Groundhog Day, except it's a whole lot more And it's a lot more expensive. And if we kill ourselves, it sticks. That's true. That's absolutely true. I watched Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. Your mother doesn't like it that much. I don't know what the deal is. That was the first movie that we She's actually... uncultured. She must be uncultured. It's the first movie we actually went to when we started dating. So that's... It all comes together. But this has nothing to do with Groundhog Day. I owe my existence to Bill Murray. Yes, you do. But doesn't everybody, to doesn't, some degree... Doesn't everyone. To some degree or another. So... Uh, as of this recording, there is a proposed agreement that would allow President Trump to have $1.375 billion to build 55 miles of border barriers. That don't be a wall or a fence or... Trained raccoons. Trained raccoons. Trained raccoons would be really cool. I don't know how expensive trained raccoons are, but... It'd probably be effective. Yeah, you think? They'd well, be powerful with their well, opposable thumbs. What would with their the they could hold guns. <laughs> All right. All right. Call me. So Abby has come up with the answer, trained raccoons on the border. People but, are going to call and be like, "She doesn't. She's just so ignorant." She I I, I don't actually think we should train raccoons. Well, or at least I'm not going to say out loud that I actually think we should train raccoons. All right. Well, you just said it out loud. It's it's been recorded. There's no way around Let's it. Let's move on. Let's move on. So it's interesting because with all of this, you'd think President Trump's approval rating would be in the dumpster. But where the raccoons are. Where the raccoons are. We keep coming back to the raccoons. But the reality is Rasmussen polling has him at 52%, which is the first time in the history of his presidency that he's actually been. I do not understand that. Well, I think part of the, the reason is not that he's had a really good week. It's that the Democrats have had a really, really bad week. And I think the comparison has redounded to President Trump's favor. That is my guess. That is depressing. Well, so what do you know about the Green New Deal? Um, it's, uh, I know AOC, Alex, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Ocasio. Ocasio. Ocasio? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry, AOC. Uh, backs it. It says stuff like, we're going to be um, completely fossil fuel free in 10 years. Other green stuff. Other new stuff. Right. Other dealy stuff. Yeah, so green, new, and deal. Yeah. You covered all yeah, three yeah, of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That in announcing the Green New Deal, AOC posted an FAQ on her website. You're familiar with what an FAQ is, right? Uh, I, I've encountered them before, yes. You've encountered them before. Frequently asked questions. And this document was bizarre. This document talked not only about getting rid of fossil fuels in 10 years. It talked about getting rid of air travel in 10 years. For, we don't, in, only have high-speed rail. Oh. I don't know how we get to Hawaii on high-speed rail, but, you know, something. Underwater. Underwater. And it talked about it talked be cool actually. It talked about getting to zero net zero emissions, but it would take longer to get rid of farting cows. That's a direct quote from the FAQ. I don't know of any other government document that mentions farting cows. Uh, but is it, we should talk about it more. I'm in favor of that. 
You're in favor of farting cows? Yeah, they need to be addressed. All right. So it needs to be addressed. Yeah. You're, you're in favor of bovine flatulence um, or limiting bovine it flatulence. It depends on the, on the situation. All right. Sometimes it's inappropriate. All right. Like at a dinner party. <laughs> I don't know how many cows attend dinner parties outside of the far side. But the, the, other, the one line that really drew a lot of attention was where she talked about total economic security for everyone, including those who are unable or unwilling to work. So if you don't want to work just because you don't want to, AOC has your back. You cool. have total economic security. That sounds great. Well, it sounds great. It also sounds ridiculous. And every conservative commentator and their dog jumped all over it and said, this is the most ridiculous proposal ever proposed in my lifetime. And AOC responded by saying Republicans were perpetrating a hoax, that this document was a Republican hoax. And is that is that like a direct quote from her? Like, does she actually yeah, say that? Yeah, because well, I haven't read anything about that. Well, she went on Twitter and talked about the doctored documents that had been circulating, and one of her campaign guys—I'm not quite sure who he was—went on Tucker Carlson, uh, who's a conservative commentator, and he started quoting pieces of it. And this guy said, "We never said that. We never said unable to, or unwilling to work. We never said anything about farting cows." This isn't our document. This is crazy. You said flatulent cows. No, it says farting cows in the document. It says it's going to take us more than 10 years to get rid of all the farting cows. That is a direct quote. I wouldn't be using that word in this podcast if it didn't exist in the actual FAQ. What's that drug that makes you um, not gassy? Beano? Beano. We got to give all the cows Beano. Bovine Beano. I think that it's alliterative. I think it works. It would, it would fly off the shelves. It would fly off the shelves if cows actually went and shopped on their own. So this document was circulating, and finally, well, and, and it became increasingly ridiculous because you could look at the metadata of the document. In other words, you could go into the digital uh, files that demonstrated who wrote the document, and it was produced by AOC. You AOC's, shrink yourself down and jump into the computer. You shrink, like, like Tron. In, like, in, like in Tron, yeah. Right. Well, it was AOC's chief of staff. It was his computer. It was written there. And it was posted, not only posted on her website, but it was given by AOC's office to NPR. NPR still has it up online. That's bizarre. Well, she since finally came back and admitted, okay, yes, this was a draft of the version and it went up a little too early and it isn't what, what it includes and blah, 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 and tried to play it down. And, but... That's kind of weird. The damage, I think, has already been done. You had a number, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, Bernie Sanders, and I think a couple of other Democratic presidential the candidates. The all here. They all endorsed it. And now they all have to defend farting cows and unwilling to work. They have to defend all this FAQ what stuff. What about farting cows that are unwilling to work? I'm not sure. I don't know anything about farting cows that are unwilling to work. They but, should add an addendum. You think that so? That addresses that. Okay. I don't know of any cows that are willing to work. Do cows do anything? Don't get me started on the dairy industry. I'll go off. All right. I'll leave you alone with the dairy industry. But uh, there's a pundit by the name of Michael Kinsley who defines a gaffe, a political gaffe, as a politician accidentally telling the truth. And I think that's what's happened here with the Green New Deal. Is I think this is exactly what AOC wants and exactly what AOC believes what? and made the mistake of actually saying it in public. Okay. And, 
Like, like, okay, there's some ridiculous things in it, but I, I agree with a lot of the things, though. Like, I, I'm all for cutting down our fossil fuels and our emissions. And okay, I think that's great. Like, why, why shouldn't we try to do that? I I'm, just because just because the first approach was a little extreme doesn't mean that the rest of the ideas should just be thrown out the window. Okay, can you elaborate on that a little bit? So, a window is a glass pane <laughs> in walls. All right. Well, you raise a good point. So when we get back from our break, we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to elaborate on this. So are we throwing the baby out with the bathwater when we focus on the ridiculous parts of this and we don't focus on reducing carbon emissions and all of that sort of thing? We'll talk. Let's find out. Let's find out. All right. I want to pin you down a little bit, though. I don't want to put you on the spot, but... When you say, but you're in favor of a lot of this, what is it that you are in favor of in the Green New Deal? Um, you, I, could, you could even speak in broad principles. You don't have to give me an, a detailed policy outline. I think that the era of fossil fuels is coming to an end. I think that we should embrace that and start moving toward cleaner power sources. Okay. What makes you think we are not doing that? Um... Because I don't know, my car still runs on gas. I don't. Most right. cars still run on gas. Right. Most everything still runs on on that. I would assume. Right. Well, so if you were to go back a hundred years, uh, more than a hundred years now, because um, I'm not sure when the Model T came out, but if you were to go back before the the advent of the automobile, the biggest environmental hazard we talk about cow farting. The biggest environmental hazard in urban areas horse poop. was horse poop. Yeah, we've talked about that. We've a talked bit. about that a little bit, and the horse poop problem was solved by new technology. Okay, but to be fair, we didn't have any ways of the, the horse poop problem was that it smelled bad and was getting. No, it's work. more than just that it smelled bad; it carried disease. Okay, okay, but it, we didn't have ways to measure, for example, like the emissions in the air and like the you know that. The horse, that horse poop wasn't necessarily making our planet warmer? Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Like, and also we had disease. We also didn't understand what antibiotics were. There were a lot of issues. Women couldn't vote. <laughs> well, I'm not saying we should go back to over 100 years ago. Yes, there were a lot of issues, a lot of problems. The solution to the problem, though, does not necessarily come when the government waves a magic wand. The, the reason we have not transferred from fossil fuels to something else is not because the government hasn't been paying attention to it. The government's been spending an extraordinary amount of money on it in ways that even uh, – How so? How are they spending money on that? Well, I, I think probably one of the biggest examples of that is the um, ethanol subsidies that you see in Iowa. Every four years, presidents go to Iowa and fall all over themselves to talk about how important it is to subsidize ethanol. Because Iowa farmers really depend on ethanol, and Iowa is the first caucus in the presidential election. And so uh, very few presidential candidates, even Republicans, are willing to say ethanol is a terrible, terrible idea. And it is a terrible idea. We spend more money. It takes more power to harvest ethanol than ethanol actually gives us. But the idea- another reason that why the caucuses are so dumb. Yes, it is. Gosh. Absolutely it is. Uh, but you look at President Obama, who spent an awful lot of money on green initiatives and subsidizing the solar company Solyndra that went bankrupt, even with a whole bunch of federal subsidies. And you look at How all. How can it go bankrupt? The sun never goes out. That's true. 
Doesn't make sense. Well, we can't develop solar power because we don't want to run out of solar energy, right? Because you know we'll use up the sun faster. Mm, yeah. yeah. We can, well, then we can just that's sarcasm. Find, we can plug the sun into a bigger star. Right. I don't want anybody it. quoting me and saying that Jim Bennett thinks the sun is going to run out of energy. That was sarcasm. Could if you, we need to visit tell? the sun, we can just go at night and plug <laughs> it in. Right. Right. So no, there there have been huge subsidies dumped on all kinds of green energy initiatives. And and the reality is if you look back in history, huge breakthroughs do not take place uh, just because the government wants them to take place. They usually take place when some evil, greedy capitalist figures out some way to get filthy, stinking rich. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. Have we talked about the Wright brothers on this podcast before? I don't think so. Airplane boys? The airplane boys. Uh, the Wright brothers, at the same time the Wright brothers were uh, developing their, you know, heavier than air flying machine. Yeah, they were not good at that at the beginning. At, at the beginning. Those really were not great. Those were not great. Uh, but at the same time, there was a guy named Samuel Langley who uh, has, I think he has an Air Force base named after him. Uh, but Samuel yeah, Langley, good for him. yeah, and he was given seventy thousand dollars by the federal government to develop an airplane, and he created this big hulking piece of metal that he launched from a catapult on the banks of the Potomac. And guess where the metal ended up? In the Potomac. In the bottom of the river. Very Absolutely, cool. seventy thousand dollars, and that's in you know nineteen fourteen money. So that's. We're talk- a billion zillion dollars. I don't know if it's a billion zillion, but the Wright brothers spent less than $1,000 on theirs of their own money, and it was their breakthrough that allowed for air travel to be developed. Uh, I, I, so I, I look at the government, and the idea, it get, it, it's very frustrating to me to see people look to the government and say, if the government doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. Okay, so then what should the government do? Just sit back and twiddle their thumbs and be like, okay, you guys solve all the problems. We'll just watch? No, but there is a huge, huge middle ground between sitting back and twiddling your thumbs and completely taking over the entire American economy, retrofitting 100% of all buildings in the country, eliminating fossil fuels, eliminating air travel, eliminating farting cows. I mean, what what... AOC and the Green New Deal are proposing is a complete government takeover of all industry in order to be able to reduce carbon emissions. That, to me, doesn't make a lick of sense. And it's, it's extraordinarily frustrating to me when people talk about carbon emissions as if any kind of reduction is going to have a significant impact on the climate. Because all oh of... Oh, boy. Here we go. No. no it, here we go. Well, okay, th- this is the thing that frustrates me so much about the climate debate. I get people talking about how, okay, we're in the middle of an extinction-level event. We're about to die. The world is collapsing, so we need to act. Okay, if that's true, we absolutely need to act. But acting it requires you to do something specific. And just saying, I'm acting, I'm doing something. I mean, if we decide, okay, we're going to fight... We're going to fight climate change, and the way we're going to do it is we're going to get a big laser, and we're going to write in the Sahara Desert the words, cool down, over thousands of miles. So we tell the planet to cool down. We have acted. 
Does that strike you as a good idea? What, that's what. That's such a weird argument. That's such a strange thing to say. Why? Because what does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with with trying to reduce carbon emissions? Because I think the thing. Because not not I think I know that the proposals that are on the table to reduce carbon emissions will be just as effective as writing "cool down" with a giant laser How in the Sahara. You, okay, you have a PhD in climatology. I don't think climatology. No, the, the numbers come from NASA. The numbers come from their own statistics. If you go back into the Obama administration when the Obama's. Um, Health and Human Services Secretary had to testify before Congress, and they kept asking her, how much is this going to reduce global temperatures? And the answer was, it's not going to reduce global temperatures at all. It's, but it's a good first step. We're acting. We're doing something. We're taking a step. And that doesn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, you say it doesn't make any sense to you. To me, it's not enough to act. You have to do something that is going to do something. You have to take action that is going to be effective. And none okay, of the actions I, proposed I that, are going to I, be effective. Okay, disregarding – okay, assuming that you're right and that reducing carbon emissions is like just stupid and won't do anything, it has other effects as well. It helps our own health just day to day, not like breathing in carbon particulates and things like that. Well, not carbon, carbon – that's a stupid thing to say. Not breathing in like carbon monoxide well, every day is a great thing. Carbon monoxide, sure, but carbon dioxide is what they're trying to get rid of. I mean, carbon carbon dioxide is is an element that feeds plants and that is essential for life. It's not an element. I'm sorry, it's a molecule. We breathe it out. We breathe it out. We breathe it out constantly, and uh, there are ways to deal with carbon dioxide. Uh, Your your grandfather, one of the last things that he was trying to do before he passed away. Was developed photosynthesize almost. He was developing a process that would sequester carbon emissions using agriculture, creating agricultural ways to sequester carbon and take it out of the atmosphere. And he had a bunch of scientific research on his side and said, "This is great, and this will improve life and make life better." And this was a solution that would actually have an impact. And when you look at the things you're saying, well, okay. All these things are great because look at all the things they're going to do. I look at all the things they're going to do economically, and for the most part, it's economically devastating. What, so you think we should start burning our trash and stuff? I don't understand. No, what I'm not saying we should start burning our trash. When did I say we should start well, burning so, our trash? So if none, none of this works, we should just ignore it and just get rid of all? Again, I'm not saying that at all. I just proposed a natural carbon sequestration program. That does, that's just a, a series of words. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's so much more complicated than that. Well, the things that are being proposed and the things that are in the Green New Deal that are being proposed involve massive government expenditures at the cost of massive taxation. And when, when energy concerns are taxed, what happens is they pass those costs on to energy consumers. And therefore, your energy costs go up. Barack Obama said in the 2008 campaign that once he implemented all of his ideas for carbon reduction, energy prices would, quote, necessarily skyrocket, unquote. And what that does is increase expenses for people uh, in a regressive manner. When you increase energy costs, 99% of that increase... When you say energy costs, what, what do you mean? What kind of energy? Like protein bars or like... No, oil and gas and I, natural gas. I, I always have thought that like the, the fluctuating gas prices wasn't due to 
taxes and things. I thought it was due to like prices set by like oil barons in Saudi Arabia. Oh, am I, yeah. am yeah. I way off the mark? Well, we'll talk about that when we get back from our break. So where do fluctuating gas prices come from? Is that your question? Farting cows. Farting cows. Uh, they come, Prince. you know, if the oil barons in Saudi Arabia were going to set gas prices, they wouldn't be below $2 a gallon, which is where they are now. I know. That's so awesome. It is kind I of used, awesome. I used like a discount uh, from shopping at Smith's the other day, and I got like 30 cents off a gallon, and I was like... I'm king of the world. Free gas. I'm just going to, yeah, just going to fill up the like everybody's car with gas. Right. They're paying you to fill up your car. It was a good car. feeling. Yeah. No, it's remarkable. Uh, market prices, market forces set prices. Taxation and those kind of things figure into the mix, obviously. But the things that are being proposed in order to reduce um, carbon emissions are massive carbon taxes that don't exist yet. So your prices would go up if the tax were to go up. But if we were to pass a tax that that taxed you for your carbon emissions, that would go directly down to the price of gas. And 99% of the cost of that increase would be borne by the 99%. In fact, probably more would be borne by the 99% because you jack up the energy prices for Jeff Bezos. He doesn't care nearly as much as somebody who is going. He cares a little bit more. He just lost half his money. He lost half his money? Yeah. Why would he lose half his Oh, well, now because of the divorce. Is yeah. that what you're talking about? If you ain't no punk, holler, we want prenup. <laughs> we want prenup, yeah. Well, Jeff. From, that's from a Kanye West song. I'm sure it is. Shout a, out Kanye. Shout out Kanye. He's given up politics, hasn't he? Yeah, the last time he tweeted was on January 1st about politics. So He's still tweeting though, right? No, not he hasn't tweeted since then. Since January 1st? Yeah. There are no Kanye tweets in the new year? No. That's, that's, wow. I know. I'm as sad about it as you are. I, I, well, I'm not particularly sad well, about it I'm at all. Well, I'm sadder about it than you are. Yes, I would think you would be. Well, regardless of what Kanye thinks about anything, I, this is the reason why it's not just enough to do something. What you do has to be targeted and it has to be effective and it has to not be borne primarily by the poor, which is what every single solution on the table would ha- that, that's exactly what would happen. That's exactly what's going on. And talk about Jeff Bezos. You can also talk about Richard Branson, and you can talk about Elon Musk, and you can talk about all of these people who are spending billions upon billions of dollars on developing green energy and different kinds of solutions in order not just to save the planet, but to also make themselves filthy, stinking rich. And I think that's great. I I got no problem with somebody becoming filthy, stinking rich if they can provide technology that improves the lives of everybody on the planet. And I think that's eventually what is going to happen. And it's going to happen regardless of what the federal government does. That does not mean the federal government does not have a role to play or there's nothing the federal government can do that could be helpful. But I think the most helpful thing they could do is get out of the way. And How are they in the way? They're in the way when they start taxing people and they start trying to get involved in people's lives and telling them how to retrofit all of their buildings 100% and try to shut down industries, which is what they're trying to do now. At least that's what the Green New Deal wants to do. The the federal government with the Green New Deal, if that were to pass, and the idea of it passing, Mitch McConnell has actually scheduled it for a vote because he wants every Democratic senator on record. He is... Uh, oh, it's so annoying. Well, I'm sure. They're but all so annoying. They're all annoying, but I think that's brilliant. 
It's okay. This is what you want. Oh, for just forget about how I wouldn't hold a vote to open the government last time. Right. He said I'm going to make fun of. I'm yeah, not trying. So stupid. I'm not trying to paint Mitch McConnell as anything like a saint or any kind of wonderful human being, but politically, it's brilliant to get people on record. When people were screaming in 2002 to end the Iraq War, um, the Republicans said, "Okay, let's take a vote. Who wants to pull out of Iraq tonight?" And only one Democrat voted for it. What? Nobody wanted to be on the record as saying that. They wanted to be able to rail against the president without actually being on the record. And this Green New Deal, what's amazing to me also is that Nancy Pelosi thinks this is too far left. If you're further left than Nancy Pelosi, you've got a problem. You're You're almost right with how far you've circled around. With how far you've circled around. I mean, she she was asked about it, and she couldn't even be bothered to name it correctly. She's like, what, the Green Dream or whatever it is? Oh, they should have named it that. That sounds so much better. The Green Dream? Yeah. That sounds like... Uh, one of the milkshakes that McDonald's puts out, like at St. Patrick's Day, actually. No, that's that's the uh, Shamrock Shake. I know, but it could also be named Green Dream. Like Sonic could make one and make it Green Dream. You know, when I was sixteen, I used to say Green Things all the time because I thought it was funny to say that. Why? Why? Because it rhymes, sort of, but it makes things sound funny. Green Things. What do you think? Wow, life before the internet must have sucked. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yes, we did all kinds of strange things to amuse ourselves back in those days. So, I mean, that's just one of the things that uh, AOC has been talking about. But I want to bring up something else uh, before we finish because nobody else is talking about this other thing that AOC has been talking about. And I want to talk about it. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, we'll talk about it when we get back from our break. Okay, so there is a viral video out there of AOC talking about campaign finance laws. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and and if you Google it and you talk about it, every single news outlet that publishes it says, wow, look at her just dismantling the craziness of our campaign finance laws. What's frustrating, though, is that she gets every single point about campaign finance laws 100% wrong. And nobody's talking about this. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because I'm the only one who notices this. So maybe I'm crazy. So the first question she asks is, is it legal to finance your full campaign on 100% PAC money from corporations? And the answer was, oh, yes, it is. Okay. And then she says, okay, is it legal then to use that money Oh, no, then she asked another guy who wrote an article that said these payments to women were unseemly, but they were not illegal. And he said, did you write that article? And he said, yes. She goes, so, therefore, it's legal for me to use my corporate PAC money to pay hush money to my mistresses and all this dark, terrible money and to do all these things. And I'm ripping my hair out because she's talking about three different things at least, and nobody realizes that. A PAC... A corporate PAC can only give $5,000 to your campaign. But there's a, a super PAC can give a lot more. No, a super PAC can't give a penny to your campaign. What? what a super PAC can do is run a campaign on your behalf that is not coordinated with you. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Right? Okay, okay. And so she kind of says, can I, can I run a, a campaign solely on PAC, corporate PAC donations? And they said, yes, you can. 
But she's giving the implication that this is a super PAC and that corporations can give millions of dollars that I can then pay in hush money to my mistresses when, in fact, they can only give it in $5,000 chunks per campaign. Your mistresses must your mistresses must be pretty cheap. That's exactly right. I mean, you can do that. It's very difficult to At do that. At least hold out for $6,000, ladies. Right. Come on. And then she asked this guy, did you write this article? And the article was that the money Donald Trump paid to his mistresses, who was making the argument, I think it's a weak argument, but she, he was making the argument that the money he, that Donald Trump paid to his mistresses wasn't campaign money and shouldn't be considered a campaign donation. He was not making the argument that it's legal to use corporate money to pay off your mistresses, which is the way AOC framed the entire thing. And then she goes off, then she goes off on the idea of, okay, is there any limit to the amount of legislation I can do that would affect stock prices? And they say, well, no, no, there isn't. And she goes, so I can just buy stocks and all these great things, and then I can get in Congress and I can monkey around and make the stock prices go up and make myself rich. And I just sat there ripping my hair out because, no, you can't do that because Congress has conflict of interest laws. When your grandfather was elected in 1992, he was a very wealthy man. He was not a wealthy man when he left the Senate because when he was elected, he had to put all of his assets in a managed trust He had to, because, because he had to avoid what AOC was warning about. He had to avoid the idea that, oh, geez, I'm going to manipulate stock prices and I'm going to buy stocks and all this. He had to turn all of his assets over to somebody else. Okay, so then why did, why, if that's the case, then why do people say, tell her yes when she's asking these questions? Well, Who's she talking to? Well, the questions are, she never says. I, also, also I, I, this is like kind of a separate thing, but like the media's obsession with her and just like the nitpicking of her is so weird to me. Like... Anything she says is going to be just, like, under a microscope. Like, no, I don't know of any other brand-new like brand new representatives that are under the same kind of scrutiny that she is. That's a fair point. I absolutely think that's a fair point. The reason I feel like it's important to respond to her is because she's driving the conversation at the moment. And so you've got this huge polarization around her because as she drives the conversation, you have all of these people circulating these videos where she's spouting nonsense and they're saying, wow, finally somebody's saying the truth. And I feel a responsibility to say, no, what she's saying is nonsense. But we do need better campaign finance laws, don't we? I hear that talked about a lot, like on both sides. Well, uh we should do an entire thing on that because okay. your idea of what a better campaign finance law is probably going to be very different from mine. You know what mine is? Monopoly money. No, no mine, is, mine is let's use the same campaign finance laws we used from the founding of the republic all the way up until Watergate, which was essentially anybody can give any amount of money to anybody at any time. And mix that with full and total transparency. Your grandfather used to say that JFK, essentially, he only had six donors to his presidential campaign. His mom, his dad. Yeah, his family. His family. was a lot of it. But what happens now is that campaign finance laws mean that only rich people can run for office. Because I can't go to a rich person and say, can you give me $3 million so I can run for office? Yeah. Instead, I have to, go, I have to raise money in dribs and drabs in $2,500 chunks and... 
and if you're an incumbent, you have the ability to be able to raise that money. If I'm if I'm nobody and I've got no money, there's no possible way I can raise that money right. without getting huge chunks of money from somebody else. Right. Now, if I decide I'm going to get a huge chunk of money from the mafia and everybody can see, well, Jim Bennett just got $3 million from the Gambino family or whatever they are. I don't know. Who. The Gambino family? Gambini? Gamb- like Childish Gambino? I don't know. I'm making up a mafia family. The rapper? Right. Childish Gambino gives you $4 million. But, but people can see that and people can say, oh, well, I don't want to vote for him because he's going to be in the pocket of the mob. But right now what we're doing is trying to build these little structures that everybody's finding ways around. And I just think be open about it, be transparent about it, and let the chips fall where they may. And the United Utah Party, incidentally, does not agree with me. I'm, I'm out of step with the United Ooh, Utah Party. Watch that yourself. Regard. That's right. Well, so maybe we get into campaign finance laws next time. But uh, in the meantime, if you're listening to this on the radio, please subscribe on iTunes or at the KSL Podcast Center. Until next week, this is Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. We'll see you next time on Dinner Table Politics.